0: Hi guys, I'm Sean McCambridge. For over 20 years, I've been inquisitive, learning, and experimenting with different ways to leverage our greatest asset, our minds, to work for us rather than against us. Join me as I engage with these inspirational guests to provide you knowledge and insights to help you achieve more. The show is sponsored by Stellar Recruitment and inspired by a company, Purpose and Why, which is inspiring growth and changing lives. Thanks very much for tuning in. So, uh, Jonah, always good to catch up. I love our conversations, and uh, I'm really enjoying the opportunity to talk about this topic today. So, firstly, we're two dads, two kids, four kids. Both got a desire to do the best job possible as a parent. As we'll no doubt touch on, some days go well, some days not so good. So I think that's sort of part and parcel, but I think one thing's for certain, I think we both share and a lot of people listening share a desire to help their kids as best as possible. There's so many different variables contributing to our kids' experience, be that at school, be that at sport, and as they enter the workforce, be that their talent or intelligence towards a certain topic or sport. It can be their level of confidence, are they neurotypical, are they neurodiverse? Am I trying to live vicariously through my kids? Am I forcing something on my kids like a sport I love that maybe they don't love? That is such a big melting pot of variables contributing to, I guess, the kids' experience and also the parents' experience. And like we'll touch on as well, some days and in the same day we can feel like we're nailing it, later on that day we can just be like, I'm failing miserably. So it's good to talk to someone who's got the performance psychology background, you've helped amazing actors, athletes, business people, all sorts of people conquer challenges to become their best version. So it'd be great to talk to you today. And I guess the first question is that car ride home from sport yeah, yeah, or a performance. So it could be the musical, it could be sport. How do we navigate that? Because there's good experiences. Saturday with my 12-year-old, he played volleyball really well. He was really happy on the way home. The week before, his serve wasn't Coming off that good, he yeah. was a bit flat. He was a bit down. Yeah. Same sport, two different weekends, two different outcomes. Correct. Right. How do you navigate that trip home?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, <laughs> 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 we'll see where we end up in this podcast, hey? There yeah. Are lots of fascinating topics to talk about, and I'll put on the table. I feel completely fraudulent being here. I help some of the world's best athletes perform. I help golfers win majors and racing car drivers win Le Mans and surgeons overcome panic attacks and all these cool things. But sitting talking about parenting, I feel like the overweight exercise physiologist. I've got some knowledge, but I maybe I'm not as uh, authentic to it as I can because, yeah, I struggle. I get it wrong. I get it wrong within the same activity. I, I, I had my son at the BMX track on the weekend and within 30 seconds, I was... Really regretful of some things that I sort of, you know, and then feeling really good that I let him crash and learn and all those things. So, today we'll just share some of the psychological science, some of my lived experience, and mm-hmm. and maybe just as two dads, we can just see where we <laughs> yeah. land. To your question, that classic, what do you do on the drive home when your kid's got some pretty strong emotions typically mm. at play, right? Mm. And I guess we always want to start with emotions tell us something, mm. right? Like, it's not ambivalence. They're not just sitting there. If there's emotions, it means they care. Mm. So, they obviously care about something like the performance, their teammates, your approval, their own standards, feeling competent or feeling incompetent. Whatever it is, there's something there to listen to. It's a bit like flying a plane when some alarms go off. I actually want to know that there's something wrong with the engine, Mm -hmm. not wish those alarms didn't show up. So when there's some emotional alarms going off in that car ride, Mm -hmm. just stop and think what might be getting set off here. Mm. Now, what's our role? Certainly our role isn't to take their distress away. Mm. So you wanna be really careful. And I think as men, Mm. I don't wanna get too caught up in gender stuff, but as men, I think we're more prone to try to invalidate our kids' Mm. emotional experience. Don't cry, mate. It's not worth – don't don't worry. Don't cry. Don't be sad. Don't be – like we say that so often. Mm. We want to take Mm. their pain away Mm. because we don't like seeing them in pain. Mm. But what we do in an unintended way is we invalidate that experience. We want them to care about their footy, Mm. but we don't want them to feel sad when it didn't go to plan. Yeah. Like there's some hypocrisy in that. Mm. So what is our role? Mm. Our role is to provide a cushioned landing, Mm. you know, Provide a cushioned landing so that they can feel and experience whatever's showing up and you're a safe pair of hands to allow them to just sit with that.
2: Mm.
1: That's sort of the first thing. Mm. My job isn't to take their pain away or take their emotion Mm. away or invalidate or disagree. Mm. You know, we often, oh, no, you played really well, mate. You're trying to give them some false sense of whatever. They know how they played. Mm. Let them dictate what that car ride home looks like. Mm. Kids need time. Yeah. Sometimes we need silence. Mm. When they're staring out that window and you're thinking, oh, Come on, mate. We've got to talk about it. You know, you got to let's let's do a debrief. Let's do a <laughs> let's do a whip. This <laughs> this isn't the corporate boardroom. Yeah, it's yeah. not yeah. time for a quick yeah. hot debrief. Like <laughs> they might just need some time to reflect, mm, mm. to think about what they did do or didn't do, what mm. they did say or didn't do. Did they take that pass? Because have they taken that kick? Mm. Whatever you know, self reflection is important. Mm. And then the, the hard one, which I often see, all parents I think struggle with is sometimes kids need an object to discharge onto. Mm, mm. So, often that car ride home, we're copying it. They're angry, they're volatile, they're changing the topic but still being quite explosive and you're like, why are they yelling at me over the fact that their water bottle's empty? Like, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. and realizing, hang on, hang on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not yelling at me over the water bottle. Okay, they're just, we're a safe set of hands because we're not going anywhere, right? So, they they feel that they can you know, just – now, the hardest thing is we take it personally. Mm. I've paid for your bloody membership. I've driven you there. I'm the one who's – and we really hold on to this mm. sense that we want them to show gratitude and that's about us. Yeah, That's us getting in the way about you ungratefuls you know, and, and all of a sudden, you're having an argument mm. with your kid mm-hmm. because – they exploded or they got really hyper, you know, Mm -hmm. some some hyper-emotionality or whatever you want to call it. So, just know that it's very normal for Mm. kids, especially younger kids, to use you as an object to to Mm -hmm. vent and discharge onto. Mm -hmm. And if you can just see that for what it is and Mm -hmm. not get hooked personally, you can then normally, move
0: through that acute phase and then actually have some conversation Mm -hmm. later around that. Mm -hmm. Fantastic answer. Yeah, I mean... Going back to the volleyball experience, I guess my first desire when I could see and sense through the conversation that he wasn't thrilled with his game was to try and lift him back up. But maybe what I'm hearing is sometimes maybe he has to sit with that, reflect on that, and then give him the space to then sort of maybe engage in the conversation when he's ready. I just went into silent mode. Right, how can I reconstruct his experience of that event? to hopefully coin some positives, as in I was like pointing out the stuff he did around the court. Well, he wasn't serving so well, but you did these couple of things that were really well, just trying to lift him up. So you sort of saying that maybe that wasn't the right way. Just let him experience yeah, that. Sit trying, with that a little bit.
1: You're trying to rescue I him. I was trying to, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I don't want my child to feel distressed. Yep. I don't want him
1: to lose motivation. Yeah. I don't want him to think he's no good. I, yeah, he because, all those I, things. And if I challenge
0: you and said, where's
1: that coming from?
0: Mm. Oh, I mean, it's, it's coming from me. My yeah. experience as a kid, you know, my things I like to change yeah. and all that sort of stuff and my fear that that's the snowball that starts this big right. and that self-doubt gets right. bigger and bigger and bigger. So right. that, that's where I think that's where it comes from for me you're personally. Gonna, you're going to hear this on repeat <laughs> through, through every question we yeah. navigate. I can guarantee you we'll end
1: up coming back yep. Yep. fundamentally mm-hmm. to our fears as a parent.
0: yeah. Absolutely.
1: I don't want them to dot, dot, dot. I don't want him to develop this concept of himself. Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. want him to not get picked in the next team. I want him to make the next team because if he does, then he'll be popular and this and that. But if he doesn't, he'll be dot, all about our own fear. Mm -hmm. And that's why we can't sit quiet when they're quiet. Or that's why we want to do that hot debrief to talk about, you know, ROIs and KPIs and and it's like, what are you doing? Mm. You're not allowing... Sport to be the vehicle. Mm, mm. I get asked yeah. a lot about what is it about sport I love and why I'm so passionate about working in primarily that space mm. and, and the corporate sector, obviously. Mm. Sport can be the greatest vehicle for learning about life in a safe way. Yeah. Life is hard. I was, you know, I said to you many times, mm. how do you mm, mm. survive in the jungle if you're raised in the zoo? Yeah. It's like sport needs to allow you to be exposed to failure, to setback, to I'm not actually as good as other people at some things, that mm, mm. I need to solve this puzzle myself. Mm. The dad loves me whether I kick a ball or serve a volleyball or not. You know, sport is this beautiful vehicle. And when we allow our kids to go through that and get out of the way, of our fear that mm. says, I want them to be all Olympians and an elite mm. level or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Ironically, those that actually have some, you know, good motor skill to mm. develop some talent pathways will actually flourish
0: and find that. Yeah. But we often, um, our stuff gets in the way. Yeah. No, I can 100% identify with that. I want to shift the conversation now to a lived experience for me. 18 years of age at the Carwell Surf Club down at, Broad Beach, I can still see this moment vividly. I say to my dad, sorry, and he turns around and looks at me and goes, what are you sorry for? And, and I think I said something like, I'm sorry, I now realise all you were doing as a kid was trying to support every endeavour I had. I mistook that at times for you, trying to maybe micromanage or tell me how it was. I now realise and identify that you only had my best intentions at heart how do I as a parent get my kids to see my intentions for what they are? And and maybe like you said before, you know, through that lens of maybe fear of my own fear, how that comes across from my my, my kids. But how do I get my kids to see my intentions for what they are? Because I I often say to my son, particularly my 12-year-old, I think we're quite a similar person. Otherwise, I feel like we're similar. I feel like I could tell you a lot of my experience that you could benefit from but in saying that, I was an experiential learner. So I think if someone had to give me the, the 100 points to live a great life mm. that was foolproof, I would have gone, yeah, whatever, Joan. I know you're a performance psychologist, but let me go out there and live it and see if it's true. And then maybe through experience, i would go, actually, those points are pretty valid. So how do I get my kids to sort of see my intentions for what they are as opposed to this know-it-all dad? Yeah. You've got to be really clear in what your intentions
1: are. mm you got to be really clear on what your intentions truly are. Like what does helping actually mean? Mm. Typically when we want to step in and help, mm. it kicks us into the command and control style of parenting. Mm. Mm. Again, which is about fear. Mm. If I don't teach him how to kick that footy the right way, mm. he won't play well, he mm. won't get picked, and he won't make the team, and he won't... And, that's your mm. fear, mm. Mm. you know, Piaget is a very famous psychologist around parenting, mm. you know, everyone knows Freud and all these mm. other ones, but Piaget mm. is like the founding father of developmental psychology. Mm. And he sort of has an adage that says, when you teach a child something, you deprive them of the opportunity of discovering it for themselves. Mm. Mm. And when we look at motor learning patterns and I look at the world champions I do work with, they're Mm. all self-governed, autonomous, Mm. independent Mm. decision makers. They understand their own technical model Mm. because when they're playing a Blederslow or a world championship Mm. or an Olympics or a Masters or what have you, Mm. there's no one there to tell them what to do. Mm. They need to be able to make their own decisions and do that well. And that's the same in life. Mm. So, when we say, I'm, you know, I am a little bit helicopter at times. Mm. I do like to try to, I've got to get in there and I've got to help them and sure, they'll, they'll work out one day my intentions. I say, well, hang on, what are your intentions?
2: Mm. Mm.
1: Are your intentions to allow them to use sport as a vehicle for growth and learning and, and all those wonderful things? Or are you wanting to prevent failure mm. because you want them to have something about your experience mm. that mm. you didn't have or you did have, mm. you know? Yeah. And that's what gets in the way. Yeah. The consequence of that Mm. is our kids learn there's always something about me I need to fix. Mm. I'm not good enough. Mm. Dad's this high achieving guy. He's got heaps of staff. He runs this great business and he's really good on gap analysis, you know? And so, I come home and all I learn is, well, yeah, that was okay, but look, there's more to do. Mm. You you know, you could be more like Jimmy or Billy or Mm. Mm. it's like, oh, okay, I need to actually take on the personal Mm. attributes of somebody else's personality that's Mm. not me. Mm. Here, read this autobiography about this person's personality. Mm. Look at him. Oh, good. I need to be somebody that's not me. Mm. So, we think we're doing the right intention, Mm -hmm. but we're actually sending a message. You're not valid. You're not good enough just as you are. Yeah. They feel broken. They feel like they're constantly change. And then you see the stereotypical responses. Mm. Kids will either overcompensate and Mm. try to Mm. seek that approval. And it looks like they're motivated and driven, but it's just them trying to seek Mm. your relationship. So, it's coming from fear and approval seeking. Yeah. It's not actually a love of that sport. Yeah. They'll suppress their emotions and just bury them, which we know leads to long-term mental health challenges when people don't develop patterns of actually expressing what's going on. Mm or the big one is they avoid. Mm. Avoidance means stopping doing it. Mm. And that's probably the most common phone call I get from parents going, he's really good or she's really good at this Mm. sport. They got so much talent, Jonah, they're wasting all this fear showing up Mm. in the parent and Mm. they're frustrated and lost. I'm like, they're leaving it because it was too Mm. toxic for them to enter that environment because the only thing that they got back from it was they're not good enough in your eyes. There's a, mm. a gap they need to fill and their brains are very clever. Mm. Your brain just says, why would I want to do something that's painful? Mm-hmm. I'll just avoid that. Yep. Right back to your question around how mm. do I help mm. my kids understand my intention when I'm really wanting to give them every mm. affordance mm. to mm. succeed? I say, well, firstly, what does succeed look like mm. to yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and what is the intention behind it? Yeah. If it's trying to protect them from failure because of your fears of them and mm-hmm. what their life might be if they don't succeed in that domain, then mm-hmm. that's you and you gotta get the heck
0: out of the way. Yeah. So just with that, is it a fun first mentality as and just let them have fun? And then, and then is it almost like a to coin another analogy, is it the ball in their court? If they want you to go out and kick the footy with them, mm. follow their lead. Yeah. If they don't, it's okay, yeah. And I think, you know, different people I've, I've listened to, like maybe like Andrew Bogart, the NBA player, mm. he was out there training all the time. It wasn't his dad or his mum going, go out and train. He yeah. just loved it so much. Yeah. He went out there with his own autonomy to yeah. get better and do the practice to get, and all this stuff. It was led by him, not by his parents. Yeah, so sure. is it trying to... Yeah, make sure your kid's having fun, but leave the ball on their court. So, if they want to go out and train, go for it. If they want to go kick the footy with you, go for it. Don't, yeah. don't be out there going, right, we're going to set the alarm in morning, journal and we're going to get up at five, and we're going to go for the run, and we're going to get fit for the season ahead. Well, let's just look at, look at the pros and cons of both approach. Mm. Yeah,
1: you know, the analogy that comes to mind is your job is to, to remove all the weeds mm-hmm. and maybe throw some manure and some yep. lattice yep. and a few things, but then let the plant grow in the direction it wants to yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, sure. When you take the plant and you wire it to the lattice and tell it which way to grow, yeah. you know, you don't really have a <laughs> yeah, yeah. an independent, self-governed, yeah. self-determined yeah. human being, yeah, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you want to buy the equipment maybe or show them the sport and have mm. some fun interacting with them. Like, they need to sample, mm. right? Yeah. But kids will naturally gravitate to something that they're either interested in, mm. they might experience some early- taste of competence, like, oh, actually, I can sort of do that, Mm -hmm. right? And then you might provide some more opportunity through shared play, through Mm -hmm. experiences, Mm -hmm. what have you. What we know about early specialization Mm -hmm. and putting almost forcing kids Mm -hmm. into doing things Mm -hmm. and, come on, mate, let's go kick that footy. A few more passes before training tomorrow. I'll help you get that bit, all that stuff, is you actually do get skill acquisition. Yep. So that kid may learn to play that sport a little better than peers. Mm-hmm. So it's addictive as a parent mm. because you think, "I'm helping and look yep. at the benefits and what have you. But what we know is we erode their ownership of that mm. trajectory, mm. and you end up with a, a poorer prediction predictor of long-term mm. longevity. So, as soon as they get to that teenage year, that sixteens, whatever, where they start to make independent decisions and they learn that they actually can say no and you can't force them or what have you, yeah. they'll leave and mm-hmm. they leave in droves. Yeah. Whereas the fear is if I don't, they won't develop the skill to progress to a higher level. Mm -hmm. And you know what? They may not. Mm -hmm. But those that go on and become truly prodigious and Mm -hmm. really actualize maybe that athletic sort of talent they sort of have are the ones that typically are given greater degrees of Mm self-exploration and ownership as well as not specializing. They do multiple sports and, you know, all of that stuff. That's a whole other conversation. But, yeah, it's that we actually get a response. Yep. But so does fear, right? Like if you can, you can yell at kids, and you'll shape them very quickly. Mm. They'll respond. Mm. You know, the carrot and the stick. Well, the stick will actually change behavior quick, you know, far quicker. Yeah, yeah. But we know the long term impact on intrinsic motivation.
0: Yep. Now, fascinating answers there. I think I've touched on before. One of the most fulfilling things I've done over the last couple of years is coach young kids. You see them with potential, you see them acquire skills, you see them acquire confidence, you see them execute on the court, the field, and the joy it brings them and their parents. And me as a coach, unbelievable. And also witnessing that in my kids as well. One thing I've seen that gets in the road or sabotages maybe potential being realised is this self-doubt. I'm sure that's true of some of the professionals you coach and no doubt perhaps our own kids experience that. How do you help children identify and navigate self-doubt as a bit of a roadblock to them reaching the potential? The first thing is self-doubt is not the problem. Mm.
1: What is? We've got to stop seeing self-doubt as mm. something we need to fix or mm. remove mm. or that it's something defective about them and rather realizing that every human mm. experiences self-doubt. And in that moment that they're experiencing self-doubt, what a gift because they're going to need to deal with that every day of their life if they're going to go out there into the corporate world, into a, a romantic relationship, mm, yep. starting up a new business, navigating the social intricacies of the world, right? Yep. Self-doubt is just the price of entry into life. Yeah. So, we see it in sport because mm. it's very visceral, yep. you know, I'm nervous, dad, I don't, you know, I'm yep. struggling on the yep. swing starting blocks yeah, or whatever, yeah. right? It's And then we think, we have to take that away Mm. versus what an opportunity to help that child learn to change their relationship to Mm. self-doubt. Learn to see it as normal. It means they care about whatever's going on. Mm. They care about their performance. They care about the impact on the team. They care about the way they're judged, Mm -hmm. but they're all real human things. Mm. 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 So, I think this obsessionality that parents mm. have around trying to remove doubt, worry, insecurity is the problem. Yeah. Rather, can we take the time to just listen to what's going on for that kid? Yeah. Maybe explore the themes of that. Yeah. Like, what is it that they're really getting caught up by? Mm. Like, is it the outcome, you know, the winning, the losing? Mm. Is it the judgment of others? Mm. Is it judgment of you? Is it just listen and learn because that'll tell you a lot about where your kid's at and the things that they're really concerned about. Mm -hmm. And then how about we flip it on its head? Mm. How about we let them, and you see that as an opportunity for them to develop a healthy relationship Mm. to Mm. self-doubt. It might sound a bit weird to the listener, but Like we think to thrive in life and all my high-achieving athletes and clients wake up and eat confidence for breakfast and have unwavering self-doubt. No, they have it in even greater volume Mm. because they're out there doing really hard things on the world stage. Mm. It's just that they see that as an okay price of entry. Mm. They don't see it as a fault they need to fix. Mm -hmm. And then they learn they can still take the right action that's required to pursue something that's important mm-hmm. and they don't need to feel calm confident and have unwavering self-belief in order mm-hmm. to do that mm-hmm. and that's where sport is the greatest vehicle for giving them almost a safer set of conditions to play in that space to then transition into adult life so you know i know that's a different answer than maybe what you're expecting but It's about leaving the self-doubt alone, normalizing it, sharing your own. The most powerful thing a dad can say on the way to a sporting match when the child says, hey, dad, I'm actually really nervous, is not, don't be nervous, mate. You've been training hard. You've got this. You've been really good all season. You're one of the best. All that crap. Yeah. It's just to sit there and go, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. I would be too. Mm. Matter of fact, I was when I was a kid going to a big sporting match or what have you. Yeah. You know what? I had to go into the boardroom two days ago and present mm. to, and I actually was pretty nervous before mm. I walked in. Mm. Yeah, it's a strong emotion, isn't it? It's yeah. amazing how strong it feels in the body. Yeah. You know, what are some things that you're worried about leading into the match? Mm-hmm. So instead of that immediacy of invalidating mm-hmm. and trying to minimize and tell them that they shouldn't be feeling that way, Mm -hmm. meet them and see them and share a bit of you Mm -hmm. and share a bit of that you experience it too. There's so many kids who assume because as parents, as adults, we're okay at feeling something intrinsically, but maybe behaving in the appropriate way, right? We're angry, we don't yell, we're nervous, Mm -hmm. but we still go to work. Mm -hmm. But our kids just see the behavior. So their interpretation is dad never gets nervous. Yep. Dad doesn't have self-doubt. Mm-hmm. They don't understand that dad feels that, but he's learned not to be governed by it. Yep. The moment you share that with your kid, that's more powerful than a sports psychologist. Mm-hmm. Them learning that you experience those emotions is a gift that they'll remember forever.
0: Yeah. Mate, I think you nailed that answer, and the brain's going off left, right, and center as you talk and I sort of go back to my own childhood, I thought it was binary. I thought, I seen some players out there doing certain things like rugby and cricket, and I just thought they experienced no self-doubt. And here I was over here, and I experienced self-doubt. I just thought it was like, yeah, the door don't have it. Mm. But I now realize, and you've touched on the fact that everyone has self-doubt, every single day. It's a normal phase of life, but I love how you seek to identify that as a gift and reframe that. And change the relationship to self doubt from keep it down or can it just go away to, okay, this is normal. It means I want to do it well. It's important to me. This is something that maybe my dad or coaches have experienced as well. But how do I keep going anyway? Mm. And quite simply, I say we worry about things we care about. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Like we're sitting here talking about parenting because we care about our kids, Mm. which means no doubt we worry about Mm -hmm. our kids. Well, if your child is worried about their performance, it means they actually care about their sport. There's something of meaning at stake. Yeah. That's great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant answer, mate. I love that. I love it. And it's just a simple response to that self-doubt because I remember when I was a kid, I'd just see dad turn up at different environments and think he was just bulletproof. Mm. he's confident he's this he's that you know and I thought why not like that but I don't doubt that he had plenty of self-doubt and and sort of hang-ups along the way as well next one's an interesting one Jonah I have got four kids as I touched on before my experience is the things they love motivating them or motivation for them to do that task it's easy so easy my daughter for example she would sleep in the stables with the horses and do her homework there and ride and care for the horses and I could leave her there 24 seven, no shit at all. In a different context, let's just say school, harder to get that motivation, doesn't have the same sort of passion or love or maybe mastery in that environment just yet, in some regard, how do the listeners get their kids to build motivation on things they may not love but may be important and let's face it, school, provides pathways or opportunities. It's not the be all and end all, but how do I motivate kids to do things that maybe they're not loving? Yeah, big question. <laughs>
1: big question. I've got <laughs> and, my pen and, and paper ready. Let's go.
0: And a common one, right? Well, firstly,
1: let's let go of mm. our attachment to motivation. <laughs> 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 Are you going to go there? Right. Yep. But what do I mean by that? Yeah. If a kid is still doing an activity, mm-hmm. Even though it's boring, they don't enjoy it, they're rolling their eyes, they're doing it somewhat begrudgingly, but they're still doing it, mm-hmm. that's a win. Okay. That's a massive win. Yep. It's actually a bigger win than them mm. doing something that they're motivated to do mm, mm. because they're actually they're learning. Persevering. Right. They're yep. persevering. They're yep. learning, I don't like it, but I'm doing it yep. anyway. Mm-hmm. So instead of thinking, Oh, why can't they just see that, you know, why can't I help them love it more? Why can't I buy them an app and a new this and a new that to stop trying to make them love everything? Mm -hmm. They won't. And -hmm. we don't need them to. Yeah. Back to being an adult. How many things in our lives do we do that we don't like, we don't find motivating, yet we still do? Mm -hmm. So again, well, you need to see those as a win. Yep. He got the shits at me. Yep. But he went to his room actually did do the homework. Okay, that's a win. Yep. So, accept that firstly. Okay. Second danger point, really mm. important one for mm. all the parents. Mm. If our kids only do the things that they enjoy, that they're intrinsically motivated mm. by, mm. then they learn a relationship that they only want to do tasks in later life that are enjoyable, pleasurable, they feel competent at, they have that, that yep. motivation. And we see them avoiding the hard. We see them avoiding the boring. We see them avoiding anything when discomfort shows up. So, unfortunately, when we try to engender this, you know, passion and drive and motivation in all these activities, Mm -hmm. we can actually set up some very slightly dangerous patterns in terms of their relationship to then only seeking out pursuits in life that give them that feeling. Mm -hmm. Boredom tolerance is critical for success. Mm -hmm. Boredom tolerance. So many successful people in the world aren't highly motivated. They're really good at being bored. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And that allows them to just get the stuff done. Yeah. So that's a really critical one. Mm -hmm. Third element is motivation comes and goes. Mm. It's not- For everyone.
0: Everyone. No one's immune to
1: that. No, exactly. It's it's a bit like Mm. the tide. It moves around. Yeah. And the swell probably is a better analogy. Yeah. So be prepared that- There'll be days where your kids are bouncing out of bed and you're like, great. Mm. And then like, why can't we bottle that? It's yep. like, well, you can't. Yep. They're human. Mm. And so be a bit more flexible in seeing the, the ebbs and flows of that. What you do want to do is notice activities where there's perseverance. Mm. Things where you just – and you give that feedback. Yeah. Wow. So you sort of celebrate that
0: or acknowledge Absolutely. that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, okay. It's not, hey, look how good that Lego thing is you built. Mm. Even though that's what you want to say, yep. it's man, mm. you've been working on that for hours. Yeah, yeah, I'm really, really proud of how long you spent on that. Yeah, just that slight shift in language where your child's getting this beautiful piece of mm-hmm. your love and reinforcement and mm-hmm. attention, mm-hmm. and you're celebrating the perseverance, the the time and effort and focus, and rather than just the the object or the outcome. Yeah, their brains are pretty good at tuning yep. into that. Yep. So we want to celebrate perseverance. We want to celebrate their ability to sit and be mm. intentional with things. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, our job as parents is to nurture some of that. Mm. How can we stoke that fire by just giving some more kindling or whatever they mm. want to, mm. to build that and see where they go with that? Mm. Because then we can be a champion of that. We can be the quarterback to their, mm. their mm. pursuit. Mm-hmm. So it shows up. You see it everywhere, mm. right? Mm. The challenge is with younger kids, they're sampling. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, they show a bit of an interest in footy, oh great, we're going to get custom-made mouth guard, we're going to get the custom, the boots, we're going to get the, we're on here, yeah, yeah. lifelong passion, of <laughs> footy's so good, yeah. I can't wait to take him out to games and yeah. live like I did and wish yeah. I, can, I can relive my experience with my dad or yeah. even fix the stuff that yeah. my dad didn't do. It's, it's like, the kid's only played a one term of it or yeah. one year and yeah. you know yeah. what, he might not want to play it. <laughs> so. Yeah. We have to be really careful in yep. our attachment yeah. to what looks like motivation. Mm. And when we see them wanting to try something else or sample other things, just yep. being a little bit flexible with that, yep. because you know what? They often come back. Mm. They go and they do that and they do something else and they think, you know what? I actually really, really like playing a team sport with my mates. So I really like the. then that's a wonderful relationship to that interest. Yep. And then we can nurture that in the appropriate way. Yep. The other one is just modeling. Mm. Like when you talk about motivation, how can I let them know that my motivation wanes? Yeah, that's a good point. That I find things really hard and tedious and don't enjoy at times. Mm. But what allows you to continue to do it? Yeah. Them starting to hear a bit of that storytelling. Mm. Mm. I don't enjoy doing X, but I do it because of Y. Yep. All of a sudden, oh, okay, so I always see dad get up and he's out the door and he goes to work and every time people say, how's, how's, great, great, it's all good, it's all good. It's all that social nicety, mm. somewhat bullshit. That's mm. not always true. Well, this is time to be authentic. Yeah. Yeah. This is time to peel that layer back. Yeah. Otherwise, again, they misinterpret the, the fact that you go out the door and go to work and get things done means you've got this high reservoir of motivation. Yeah. Yep. Versus, no, what I do have is clarity around doing things that matter, yep. doing the things that have to be done, mm-hmm. doing the crappy, boring, remedial tasks, yep. and this is how I go about that. So I know that was a bit of a mouthful, but you've got to let them understand that motivation is transient, that you're not immune to that, Yep. but maybe what you can do is you see the benefit in sometimes doing things that aren't always that enjoyable. Yep. And when you see them doing that, you know, celebrate that. Yeah. Hey, I knew that wasn't the funnest thing to do, but good on you for doing that.
0: Yeah. Now, I love a lot of those answers, Jonah, as anticipated, particularly that storytelling around my own experience with motivation because I used to see, for example, my father, and I used to think he was bulletproof every day. He was motivated. He was keen. He was bright. He was bubbly. I'm sure that wasn't the case. Yeah. But that was my interpretation. And what that led to was, What's wrong with me? Because some days I feel good, some days I don't feel good. There must be something wrong with me. But if I had maybe, and it was probably a generational thing, a, an authentic conversation with dad going, him going, not every day I'm pumped to get up and go to work, but I do that to provide for the family Correct. or to create a future or to send you an education. That's why I do it anyway. I'd be like, oh, that's pretty cool. i got staff at work relying on me. Yeah. I need the business to
1: succeed so I can Correct. help other families. Yeah, other like, people relying on all us. All those things that are, thing. are great. Yeah lessons for our kids to learn but you know what I didn't want to get out of bed this day Yeah, or I just wanted to stay and play with you hang guys. out with you yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, for sure so I love that one question is how do I deal with that I want to give up and let's just say that context could be sport it could be I don't like school anymore and at different points in school matter more you know the context is higher choosing a different sport when you're young and not the end of the world blah 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 so the context or the repercussions vary, but how do you deal with that? No, I want to give that up, Dad. Mm. Oh, I don't want to do that anymore. How do you unpack and deal with that? Yeah, that's- I'll do my best <laughs> at answering that. Yeah. It's because the well, question on surf is, is, is relatively simple, simple, but there's so much
1: context that matters, right? Correct. Yeah, so. Like where I go as the psychologist yep. is, is there some form of avoidance? Yeah. So they actually do have something that they want to do or like or enjoy from that say that sport yep but they're quitting because of again they're feeling like they're violating their standards because mm-hmm. they've developed these unrelenting standards because mm-hmm. they're always trying to impress you mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. others and therefore they feel like they can no matter how good they are they never live up to that because yep. even when they play well there we're still doing that hot debrief of yeah yeah, yeah. ROI <laughs> yes, and all that stuff And so, you know, it's like, well, is that just an avoidance move, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, you've got to really be intentional and understanding what's the driver behind it. Mm -hmm. Is it that it's just no longer giving them what they need Mm. and therefore, like anybody, Mm -hmm. we won't do things that cause us great pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. If it's just that they're in that developmental phase Mm -hmm. of not wanting to really sort of Invest in a bit of hard work mm. and a bit ride through that. You want to unpack that as well. Like, what's mm. going on? What is it that you want to, you know, why is if you could wave a wand? Mm. Great question. Yeah. The old wand question we yeah, use, yeah, we use it in it. therapy all the time. Yeah. <laughs> if you could wave a wand and fix, change, improve, get rid of, mm. you know, anything in your sport, what would that be? Yeah. And you'll be amazed where that goes. Mm. And they might share with you something. And then we don't jump into solve and fix. We do that mm. Socratic questioning. Mm. You know, well, What assumptions are we making? Is there something else we could do there? Mm. You Mm. peel the the onion back and you normally get to the heart of it. And the answers are just so varied from Mm. the cool kid at school plays basketball and he's getting attention from the girls. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah, yep, well, yep. that's a pretty strong motivation. Yeah, that's right for a sixteen-year-old yeah, yep. boy. That matters. Like that yeah, matters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, okay. okay, so it's not that you don't like rugby. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> a, yeah. There's another motivation. <laughs> yeah, motivator. that's it. Yeah. <laughs> or that it's something else more around. I generally don't derive any pleasure from it because mm. I've run its time course. Yeah, and I've got other interests. Or is it actually around something of avoidance? Yeah. Now that struggle to articulate that to you. Yeah, for sure. If you're the source of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so that's where that conversation might come up with mum or might come Mm -hmm. up with somebody else or the coach or something. But you want to find that out that often we, well-intentioned parenting can sometimes feed the wrong outcome. Yeah, And so what would you change? What what wand would you wave? Yeah. If Dave could come but just not say anything. Yeah. Or if Dad could just let drop me off like the other dads and just let me go and have fun. Yeah. If I could just maybe play in the one level below because yep. that's yep. where my friends are. Yeah. And I don't want to be a professional. I just want to play with my friends. But you know, I'm, I'm probably for whatever reason, I'm actually quite good at it. So I'm putting this. There's plenty of kids playing in representative teams and higher levels who actually want to play with their mates. They yep. have no desire to go on to greatness or yep. in this domain, but yet. We think that's where they need to be yeah so it's a complicated answer to yeah, your, to your yeah. question but you've got to think a bit about it's telling you something yeah for sure you work in recruitment mm-hmm. why do people quit their job mm-hmm there's a thousand reasons, yeah, but let's start to interrogate why, because yeah, yeah. then we can understand more about going on for that person, or yeah, yeah. what's what is it about that work environment that led. Oh, you you know, people with high turnover rates. We know the statistics of healthy turnover versus unhealthy turnover in businesses, yeah. and we actually spend a lot of time studying the climate of those environments mm. and trying to bring consultants in to fix those workplaces. Mm. Well, it's no different in teenage sport.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now I, I love that magic wand sort of scenario the way it's posed and you're really trying to diagnose or diffuse I think sometimes there's a tendency if you don't see the behaviors or the attitude that you want there's an element of frustration maybe that's led by fear what could become if they don't sort of continue at that so I actually like that way of trying to unpack that and diffuse that and understand that before you start instructing or commanding, you've got to go, blah, blah, blah. We start blah.
1: pulling levers, right? Don't, you? yeah. don't let your teammates down. Yeah, exactly. We paid, team we paid the fees. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All those ones, yeah, yeah. You can give up at the end of the year. You don't yeah, give up halfway through the year. All those correct. sorts
0: of things. Yeah. So you're, yeah. you're clamouring for leverage to sort of coerce them. Yeah, too early in the conversation. Back on course. Yeah, too you? early, too early. So I think that's a good way just to sort of pause yeah. and that run. Off the back of that, I recognize the impact of my attitude and my work ethic on success. I've learned over time. I felt like when I was younger, I was probably less self-aware and I was probably quite lazy in a lot of regards. But I think over time, I iterated and reflected and worked out that attitude and effort do matter to my results. And there is a bit of a pattern when I've done well. My attitude and effort have been there you know, as key contributors. So how do we get our kids to recognize that? Or is it that journey of experience and self-reflection for them to learn that on their own? And maybe to one of your earlier points, do we just role model as best we can? And maybe they'll realize on their own, and that's a healthier way for them to discover that, Attitude and mindset and work ethic do matter to performance? Mm. What's your take on that? Yeah, good question. And the answer obviously
1: is role modeling matters. Mm. Role modeling matters so much. Yeah. And we need to reflect upon our role modeling more than I think we often do. Yeah. So I want to spend mm. a bit of moment talking mm. about that. Yeah. You know, I want my kids to develop a work ethic and drive and understand responsibility because when they finish, you know, playing sport, we want them to go into the corporate w- whatever. Yeah, yeah, And okay, that's great. That's well-intentioned. Yeah. Maybe because you're holding on to some attachment to what success in life looks like, <laughs> Yes, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if I said, well, hang on, what are you role modeling? Mm. You're role modeling that I can't prioritize my health and fitness because I'm so busy. Mm-hmm. I'm coming home and I'm role modeling that whoever's on the other end of this phone is more important than you. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting on my laptop at night and what have you. So I'm, okay. So you're telling your kid that if you want to play in the life of business, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. it's all consuming, it eats at your personal time, it makes you distracted as a dad when mm-hmm. you're home, yeah. um, you're strapped to these bits of technology. All of a sudden, you're wondering why your kid doesn't want to go and pursue (laughs) a degree or business or whatever. They're they're looking at you at home going, why would I want to go do that? Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Versus I can go and be really successful in one domain, Mm. let's call it work, and still be vibrant, vital, engaged, connected. Mm -hmm. And then you're role modeling not just work ethic, but you're role modeling healthy stuff at home where they see that there isn't this horrible negative consequence of going and doing challenging hard things like building a business or something. Yep. So, we've got to really watch the Mm. version of us that shows up. For sure. You've got to work hard. Mm. When I look at your definition of working hard, Dad, no thanks. Doesn't look so good. Doesn't look so good. Mm. Mm. You're cranky with us. You're short. You're you're snappy. You never hang out with your mates. You Mm. don't nurture your own hobbies. you don't like, wow, thanks Mm. for that message, mm. right? So, yep. so I'm really firm with parents when you say, what are you actually role modeling? Yeah. Because your kids will be soaking that in. Yeah. Kids don't care so much once they're over a certain age mm. about the amount of time they have with the parents. They care about the quality of time. Yeah. So, how are we role modeling that? Yeah. You know? So, I, th- I think we do have to be really clear if we say, okay, my job as a dad is to mm. be a good role model to my kids. Mm. I say, yes, it is absolutely is, I hope you're doing a 360 review <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> on that pretty regularly yeah, yeah. and making sure you are actually doing a good job of that, Yeah, yep. you know. And then to your point around what do we do when we try not to step into that command and control, mm-hmm. yeah, the the fear stuff gets in the way. Mm-hmm. If I don't, they will fail. And it's like what's that about? What's your definition of success? Mm, mm. What are we actually trying to build here? hmm mm. Are we trying to build people with self-determination, a sense of competence, a sense of autonomy that they can Mm. do things of their own, Mm. that they can build meaningful relationships with the world around them, that they can take on the world and that they are enough Mm. in their current form? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether they make the first grade rugby team or not is actually so secondary to the character of the people they are. Yeah, yeah. Now, what we find is this is not me just going, oh, just lower the standard and just let them just play around in, in the mud kitchen. Mm. No, this is about helping people if they happen to have mm. some interest and genuine intrinsic drive to pursue something athletic yeah. and they've got some skill there that matches that, well, then you'll actually see a greater likelihood of success mm-hmm. at the pointy end. Yeah, you know, I want the listeners to understand I do work with – The Olympians Mm, and the world mm, champions mm, and the pointy end, but I also work with a bunch of them that are terribly unwell psychologically, that their whole journey through sport was not for the right reason, that their relationship with their parents is Mm. horrendous Mm. and toxic and Mm. broken and Mm. irreparable. Mm. They lie in bed. I've literally had clients lie in bed with a gold medal around their neck in tears because they said, I thought the world might change now Mm. and realize that, of course, it doesn't. Yeah. So, the biggest thing we need to think about mm. of all of that journey isn't how do I help them mm. be better at the sport? When should I get them specialist coaching? When should I not? When should... <laughs> It's what about the relationship you're having with them? Yeah. When they're young, around six through to 10 or 12, you're heavily involved. Mm-hmm. You are the yeah, one yeah, helping yeah. them catch yep. a ball and throw and kick and yeah. you are that surrogate coach. Yep. But then that should really drop off as their own other coaches start yep. to get involved and you have to sit back and just be that champion. Yep. And hey, anything from today that you enjoyed or anything you want to hand with or, yep. oh, dad, can you maybe can we go kick a ball a bit and just help me with a few things that the coach and I – there's your golden nugget. For sure, the kid wants you to be a role, you know, play a role yeah, in yeah. that. Yep. But just make sure you're playing that role, and then you're not overstepping. Yeah, it, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then yeah. all of a sudden you, ooh, yep. you, you just burnt it out. Right? Yeah. It's a bit like, um, I've heard this metaphor. It's not mine, but yeah. it's like you know, our job is to to create the the conditions for a fire or what yeah. have you. Yeah, yeah, You go and tip kerosene on a fire, it'll burn bright. That's it. Tempo. Just burns all the wood out, right? Yeah, yep. that's what that extrinsic, overbearing yep. Yep. parent mm-hmm. acting from a place of fear—it mm-hmm. mm. does. We will see some early, maybe adaptation where they show what mm-hmm. looks like "quote unquote" talent, mm. but it's not. It's coming from seeking parental
0: approval, yeah. And and we know that just burns out. Yeah. Now again, lots of great responses in there. A lot of things going off in my head, and I think beyond some of the comments you made, I think making sure that our kids recognise that they're enough already. They don't win, need to win first place or get in first grade or whatever the case is to get our conditional love or approval is win, lose, or draw. If you're having fun and going, well, you're enough already. The sport doesn't validate your worth. And the hook I often
1: use is, okay, you're a sporting parent yeah. and you want your kids to be involved in it, yeah. and they seem to enjoy it. And and, and by the way, that could be academia totally, as well, right? Totally or whatever. So totally, totally. But I always say, well, hang on. Let's say you want the next world famous rugby player. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what does that actually look like? Hmm. Oh, well, you know. If they're playing number nine or ten, you know they—they've got voice. They're commanding. They're leading. They're making decisions. They're instinctual. Yeah. They're looking for that little gap in the line yeah. to break the line and yeah. take it on. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like I hear all these characteristics coming yeah, from yeah. often dads yeah, about yeah. this amazingly independent, yeah, yeah. self-governed. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. I wonder what their upbringing might yeah, look yeah, like that yeah. leads to you possessing those traits. Yeah, yeah. It's a kid who learns that they are enough, that they can make an error on a footy field and it doesn't define the man they are. That frees me up to then take that little chip kick, to bust the line, to do what have you. And so that's why I often say they may or may not make it. Statistically, they probably won't because we know such a very, very few Few. turn on to become elite professional athletes. But wow, the same skill set that lets you lead the All Blacks. Mm can be the skill set that lets you lead in life and yep. take on a successful pursuit of business or a dynamic family or mm-hmm. whatever that mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. So yep. it might feel scary. It might feel like they're not going to succeed in your terms. It might feel like you could jump in there and just help them in that moment. But yeah, let's just let them grow into the, the version of themselves that they are and just yep. evolve through those normal neuropsychological developmental stages. Yeah. Yeah. and we're there to sort of support nurture sometimes put the bumper guards on and mm-hmm. there's so many cliches out there oh. but, but you know I was reflecting upon mm. I had my, my son he's five and had him at the BMX track on the weekend <laughs> brand new BMX <laughs> yeah, and, yeah yeah you know and he was going down over the the rolly things yeah. and got to one corner and there's yeah. there was a bit of storm and rain over yeah. the few last few days so there was a lot of silt yep and of course he was turning the wheel a bit too sharp of course, we know what happens in soft sand, you know, yep. boom, yep. bang, over the handlebars, yeah, yeah. you know. And I sort of trotted up to check he was obviously okay. Yeah. And, you know, he was furious at me. <laughs> I didn't have my knee pads on, Dad. And, you know, whatever, blaming me. Or your it, fault. Or my fault, of whatever. Yeah. Now, my brain wanted to jump in and give him some feedback about <laughs> how to maintain that's balance yeah, and let's yeah. just take that boom again. Use the camera yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a, Yeah, Literally. that's what you need to do, buddy. All of that, all of that. <laughs> and then, thankfully, I just caught myself and I was like, this is the first time he's actually gone over the handlebars. This is the yeah. first time he's really eaten some dirt, yeah, literally. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, this is the gift he needs yeah, because, yeah, yeah. you know, what was happening to his brain? Yeah. It was working out what it was doing, what yeah. he was doing wrong. Yeah, yeah, He was feeling some pain from the bleeding knees. Yeah, yeah, And, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, hopefully, as he went to bed that night, his yeah. brain's subconsciously working out how to yeah, probably steer yeah. that BMX better. Right. For sure. For so, sure. we've got to check ourselves yeah. when we see our kids in distress or we think we can provide a solution that… Yeah expedites them on their journey Mm -hmm. and back to that Piaget idea. If we teach too much, we actually rob them of their self-discovery.
0: Yep, I love that. I love that. And I think the other thing that sort of resonates as you talk is everyone's got a different definition of success, right? So your definition is different to my definition. It's different to Grant's definition. Why impose my definition of success onto my children? Mm -hmm. Let them discover their own view on success. You know, and I think there's character traits you want to promote and role model and all the rest of it. But if, you know, you're world champion and I'm in fifth grade but loving it with my mates, that's cool. That's success, right? The fifth grader that's having fun and not burning out, that's got a positive relationship with the sport and the people he plays with, that's winning, right? Absolutely. That's good. I don't need to have the gold medal to validate that. So I think it's letting in the pack. We often have a definition or a vision of what success is in our mind, right? Yeah. But maybe little Johnny or Sarah or whoever, maybe their view on that is different, right? They just turn up because they love it and hanging out with their mates and that sort of gradual sense of mastery, I don't need to be in the first team to have fun, Dad. Yeah. I'm content and happy doing this. And success should be defined by the
1: quality of the relationship you have with your kids. Yes. When you show up on that sideline... Yeah. Do they want you to be there? Are you coming, dad? Can you come along this weekend? Yeah. Will you be there? They see it as a positive thing, not, oh, yeah. like that's so powerful. The quality of your relationship through the vehicle of sport.
0: Yeah. And on any given Saturday, you can see a spectrum of parents turning up, right? From the crazy one yelling and screaming and all the rest of it to the super silent one and all the rest of it. But I think the best measure, like you say, is, does my child look forward to and promote me coming and get disappointed when I don't, yeah. as opposed to, oh, Dad, you just dropped me and we should be finished about 4.30 and you can pick me up there. It's a chance to sort of reflect on that. So I love that answer for many reasons. Just as we sort of near the podcast, I want to ask maybe a, a big one, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but in your opinion, what's the world of social media, the dominance of that, the prevalence of that, on mental health struggles and how do we help our kids? And I know you might throw this back at me. How do I help my kids with mental health strategies to navigate anxiety, self-doubt, resilience? What's your sort of quip or or take on that? Yeah, social
1: media, huge Mm. topic. Let's get into it really quickly because I think everyone wants to hear a bit about that. Because
0: I feel like in my own context, and I speak to other parents, it feels like it's an unstoppable force. Mm. The gaming, the YouTubing, the social media platforms, it just seems to suck my kids in. And they enjoy sport, they love sport in some cases, but, geez, if I let them, I reckon that world of social media and gaming would just gobble them up whole from start to finish.
1: Yeah, and the neuroscience would say it will. Yeah. With it being unchecked. Yeah. So, look, social media is a huge topic and, again, I think it's one that you could dedicate a whole podcast and get a clinical psychologist in with expertise in the area. The general approach that I give advice around is you simply have to evaluate where your child is at Mm. with their current skills to navigate what's going to show up on social media. So we know that they're going to get exposed to bullying, teasing, ridicule, you know, just videos of other kids doing horrible things to other people, sexualized material, you know, a lot of quite adult mm. content around how humans treat each other and ridicule each other and persecute each other mm-hmm. and be really objectify, mm-hmm. And that's not just in the sexualized nature that obviously is very pervasive. Yeah. Yeah. So you actually have to think, mm. if this was in the real world, mm. is my child able to navigate that? Mm. Can they navigate seeing a kid being beaten up in school and what would they do or say or what would happen if there was some sexualized activity going on and do they have the skills to make good decisions around their Mm -hmm. own safety and or advocating for the safety of others Mm -hmm. do they have the ability to understand morals and mores and all those things Mm -hmm. and if the answer is no they're probably still underdeveloped in Mm -hmm. that space Mm. then you absolutely have to withhold their exposure to it because any weakness or vulnerability your child has Mm. in normal life in those Mm. spaces is magnified on social media. Yeah. So if they've got some vulnerabilities around comparing themselves to others and they struggle with a bit of that in the schoolroom or somewhere, Mm -hmm. exposure to the social media domain just sets that alight. Mm -hmm. If they are a little bit, caught up in criticalness and judgment and borderline almost being mean because Mm -hmm. when we are mean to that kid at school, Mm -hmm. we get to stay part of the popular gang. So, Mm -hmm. all kids will tease and bully a little bit. They all do. It's part Mm -hmm. of that social Mm -hmm. norming and what have you. But if they're a bit vulnerable to that, Mm -hmm. they will be the online troll and bully because they get the social recognition from it in a safer way. Mm -hmm. So, it's really about looking at the volume. Where's your kid at right now with the ability to navigate those factors or do they possess those skills already or not? Mm -hmm. And if there's critical vulnerabilities or weaknesses, just know the volume goes up tenfold on social media Mm -hmm. and that's where we have a duty Mm. to minimize exposure. Yeah. We will be the bad guy.
2: Yeah.
1: Honey, I'm not ready for you to have a phone with TikTok and Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. I want it. I'm ready. I don't know. I hear that you're ready. Mm. I'm just not ready yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: I can't give <laughs> any answer where
1: you avoid being yeah, the, yeah, that, the person that, that isn't. Yeah. Now, what does the science show? The science says some things in life were like, oh, you know, expose kids to, I don't know, uh, moderate drinking of wine in Europe yeah. from yep. the age of 14 actually yep. means that they develop a healthy relationship to alcohol and not binge drinking like they do in Australia and America. So yeah, there's, yeah. there's interesting things where we introduce things at a certain age Mm -hmm. and there's actual benefit. Mm -hmm. The science on social media is really clear. Mm. The longer, the better. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. Also, Jonah, like 12 or 14 or 16 or 18, the science just says the longer, Mm -hmm. as in it's infinite, if you just limit the exposure as long as you can do it. And I know that's really hard in a practical level in certain family environment. I get it. Really hard. And I'm gonna go through that with my kids. I'm going through it right now with my kids. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and they're young and they're still wanting yeah yeah Minecraft video yeah. games and yeah. you know, all that stuff. Yeah. But we know the science there. Treat it like cigarettes. Mm. Would you let your kids smoke at eight or ten? Well, if the answer is no, well, yeah, I'd say yeah. you need to treat social media pretty similarly. Yeah. Their cognitive development mm. just isn't there yet. And yet we allow them to sit in this little bubble and be exposed to things that their brain isn't able to really navigate well, yeah. it can really set them up for long-term poor mental health yeah. because we're vulnerable to it. Of course, yeah. We sit and look at social media of our heroes and yeah. yeah, think, oh, gee, I'm not really doing that well. Gee, yeah. Elon Musk runs five businesses, put things on Mars and does this and does that. And does... Gee, oh, yeah. oh, oh, poor me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, I'm a young sure. teenage girl, young teenage boy looking at, other people's mm. success or yeah. physique yeah, or yeah. income or whatever metric. Yeah. So, very, very, you want asbestos gloves when it comes to mm. it. And at times, you need to be realigned really if it's a family unit around you and, and your partner. And then you've got to watch your use of it.
0: Mm, for sure. Well, yeah, I recognize I role model at times poorly. Correct. How I engage with Correct. social media. Correct. You know, I scroll through, I get bored, bored, bored. Yeah. And then i am catch myself going, I can see those little eyes on me, and I'm not demonstrating what I want for them or in myself right now, mm. and I put it down. Yeah.
1: But how addictive do you get by it? Oh. And we have a. That's our right. frontal lobe has formed, totally it's God. myelinated, it's developed, our sense of self is a bit more. Ing- they're at that highly yeah. vulnerable and impressioned state, so their brains will get even more addicted to it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah it's funny you use that cigarette example, I believe in the future, social media could become the tobacco of the past, as in the known impacts of social media on us and mental health and whatnot will have to be told to us the same way cigarettes are now told to us the impact. Well, the science right. is in. We, we don't have a causal mechanism because it's yep. almost
1: an impossible study to know the, sure. the causality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if we look at the rise yep. in anxiety and mood disturbance, so yep. depression and anxiety, yep. and we look at the rapid increase and yep. not just through over-diagnosis and misdiagnosis, yep. park yep. all that and remove yep. all yep. that yep. from the science, yep. and I've done it well. Yep. There's been a massive uptick yep. in the prevalence of mood disturbances in our children, and it correlates almost identically with the introduction of the big social media brands. I won't name them. No, 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 sure. almost you can just see them in parallel. Yeah,
0: wow. So what else can we do to help our kids? And you've touched on a great number of things already, Jonah, Mm -hmm. around strategies or ways to deal with some of those mental health challenges, whether it's anxiety, self-doubt, resilience, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you'd touch on as we sort of Draw to a close here today. I think it's just
1: reinforcing what we've spoken about earlier, Mm. that the more we can help our children understand that they're just fine who they are and how they are, that if they have a certain interest or a certain personality trait, that that's just Mm. fine because that's literally who they are. And what we want to do is help them bring that to life versus trying to impose an idealized end point. Mm -hmm. Of who they should become, yeah. or imposing somebody else's. Yeah, here read Richie McCaw's book. Read yeah. Don Bradman's book. Read yeah, like yeah. like. Oh, thanks, Dad. So I'm not enough. Like mm-hmm. we want to really tap into who they are, yeah. the fact that they are whole and great yeah. with problems and idiosyncrasies and weaknesses and frustrations yeah, and deficits. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. That is human, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. But our job as a parent is just to really connect with who they are and mm-hmm. see how we can just bring that to life by championing that. Yeah. And sometimes that might look like a really passionate, invested interest in something like academia mm-hmm. or sports or horse riding yeah, or yeah. music, whatever. Yep. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And other times it may be something else, but I think too many kids- unintentionally through having high achieving parents mm. who wanted the best for them, fundamentally just had this chronic sense of I was never enough, I was never good enough. Who I am wasn't what my parents really thought is a success. Yeah. And it's that's what leads to long-term mental health challenges. Yep. Then the second part is when we experience tough internal experiences, mm. sadness, uh-huh. anxiety, anger, the big yeah. three, yep. that's just part of life. It's normal. normal. It's okay. Yeah. It means something of importance was probably showing up. Mm -hmm. And how can I help you journey through that Mm -hmm. and even share a bit of my journey through that to normalize it? So much of mental health isn't the actual problem of feeling Mm. sad Mm. or anxious. Mm. It's feeling like there's something wrong with me for feeling that way. And then we internalize, we keep it quiet because we think if I share that with my parents, they'll think I'm, confirms that I am broken and defective versus- Mm -hmm hearing that that's just okay and normal, and then we actually get it off our chest and we can move through it.
0: Yep. Amazing answers, mate. Lots going off my mind. Lots of things that I can take away. So thanks for taking the time today. And it was really born out of a lot of conversations I've had with other parents and the journey. I don't think anyone's got the perfect formula. We're all sort of trading notes and experiences, and it's great that people can be real and vulnerable around their challenges and good moments. So you don't feel like you're the one getting it wrong and the world of social media shows that everyone else that I look at has got this amazing happy family or kids or whatever the case is. (laughs) And what's wrong with me? So it's good that we can normalize that and you've got those same challenges. But what else are you sort of doing in this space? It seems like there's a huge calling or demand around how do we navigate bringing our kids up and assist them as best we can in a healthy way. Mm. But are you doing anything else or are you finding anything else in that space at the moment?
1: Yeah, look, I'm actually at the moment collaborating on trying to build uh, well not trying I am building yep. a digital offering yep. too many parents need help mm, mm. care deeply about their kids for sure sport for me I just love it so deeply when it's used as that great vehicle yep. for everything it can provide yep. so yeah I'm building a digital product where parents can sort of listen in be educated by experts as well as people have lived it and been in the trenches yep. so you know we'll, we'll interview parents of I guess what you call traditionally successful people in sport. Yep. So some of the athletes that people know around the world. Yep we'll interview some of the actual athletes and get them to to peel the onion back and actually talk a bit about what it was like growing up with different parental styles, (laughs) uh, share some of the psychological science around what works and what doesn't and pitfalls and lessons learned from the trenches of parenting. So that'll come to market,
0: hopefully in the not too distant future. Awesome, mate. Well, definitely keen to subscribe or become part of those tools and learning. So thanks for bringing that to light and and thanks again for joining us here today, mate. So many great takeaways and you're a champion for uh, sharing these things and I've got every confidence that this is going to positively impact parents and kids through Better Informed so I really appreciate your time thanks mate cool thanks so much for tuning in means the world to me Uh, if you got something of value out of the podcast I'd love you to pay it forward and share it with anyone that might benefit thanks again for tuning in